Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 486, and today we're going to talk about Metro Exodus. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Leah Haydu. Privyet. I th- I th- I think that's I think that's oh, well I think that's hello I think. Uh, I did. If anybody I did speaks up... if anybody speaks Russian yeah. and I have butchered that I'm really sorry but I I did try to uh to do to, yeah. It sounded nice to me. That okay. goes for the whole show. Any any Russian butchering. Yeah, I was trying to uh, I was trying to copy them saying thank you, but um, I've forgotten it now. Apologies. Anyway, Tony Atkins. Hello. Hello. And to be fair, I don't think you butchered the Russian any more than they actually butchered the Russian in the game. So you yeah. know. Well, here's your spoiler warning. First of all, this is the third game in the trilogy of Metro games by 4A. It's a first-person kind of survival horror stealth shooter set in a post-apocalyptic Russia, devastated by nuclear war, based upon novels by Dmitry Glukovsky, who also has input into the story of the game. The best place to start, though, will be with Tony. You nominated Exodus for this volume of the podcast. I did. Um, I am a fan of the two previous games, and I guess the reason I nominated uh, Exodus was because I desperately wanted to play it, hadn't got round to it, mm. um, had actually started it a couple of months after its release. You know, looking back on my achievements, you know, I unlocked the first couple of achievements, and for what, I don't even know why I didn't get around to continuing it, but I really wanted to. But one of the reasons I, actually, I know one of the reasons why I didn't. It's because um, I'm also, I read the previous two books and wanted to read uh, Metro 2035 before I actually jumped into Exodus, which is, I air quotes here, based based around um, Metro 2035. Um, and I thought it would be a useful mm. thing to do, so which I did. And for uh, consistency's sake, I, um, or um, I read them, when I say read them, I listened to them on audio book. Cool. And the reason I say that is, is an important aspect is I kind of feel like I've got an impression of Artyom in my head because I've listened to him speak for, you know, multiple, probably 50 hours of my life, you know, in, in within these books or within separate parts of these books. Um, so to have him as a kind of a, a mute character in this game is um, is kind of odd. Except in the loading screens. Except in the loading screens, yes. And then he's and not the my artery. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, did you? Who does the? Who does the voice then? On the? Is it someone we know uh, on the audiobooks? It is a famous audiobook uh, guy because I looked it up, but I can't remember his name. Okay, um, that's right. It's but not. It, but uh, it is very the same artium as in the games. It is not. No, it's definitely no. not. Um, so yes, yeah. So I nominated purely because I really, really wanted to play it, and you know, had history of the, the two previous games. Loved the the two previous games, although you know they are, <sighs> janky is the wrong word. They are games with lots of ambitions, and at at the time, certainly upon release, you know, grand in scope and slightly, slightly outdated against modern uh, shooters, which makes them in some respects that much more interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and yeah, so I wanted, and I've been. You know, um, knocking away at it for the last few few weeks, and uh, finally actually finished it today because I've had one of those uh, weeks from hell when I was trying to get completed for the show. But you know, that's not to say I haven't actually put a number of hours. I think I'm about thirty hours in. So yeah, yeah. You know, These good, are the good. pressures we face. So oh, I guess you started on the unupdated old Xbox One did, version yes. and completed it on the enhanced. Yeah. Version. So a little kind of you know behind looking behind the green screen here we um. This 
issue or this episode um, was meant to go, God, was it six months prior to yeah, this recording right. date? Um, and we there was rumblings of an enhanced version coming out and we were like, oh, maybe. But then they they announced the enhanced version just, I think, about three or four weeks prior to us recording and we mm. realised it was quite a significant update to the, the yeah, game. Yeah. So we decided yeah. to to delay it, but that delay was you know, pretty much six months. So, yeah, I got to, to mess around in the original versions and then obviously the, the updated one, which we'll, we'll talk into. But we'll talk about the yeah. differences, yes. Excellent. Josh. Hello. You never finished the first game, as I remember from yeah. listening back to these shows, uh, which I can, I can understand because it, it's perhaps the least friendly of the trilogy, but you got on with the second one pretty well listening back to The Last Light Show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, since the last light recording, I did attempt to play because they released that um, Redux, Redux uh, yeah. version of um, the original twenty thirty three, uh, and I and I didn't complete that one either. Um, uh, even <laughs> though, <laughs> even though there are um, you know massive improvements visually and and all that, and they do make some concessions in terms of how it plays um if you're more familiar with last light uh, i just think structurally that game doesn't appeal to me as much as last light last light feels rhythmically feels a lot like a a half-life game to me in that mm. it has these big set piece moments and then lots of quiet time where you're just exploring and enjoying some dialogue with your buddy um, yeah, I, I really like Last Light. Um, it, uh, fully acknowledging as well um, what Tony was saying, that it does have problems. Um, and I do feel like this studio is one where I'm kind of waiting for them to make like their, you know, their genre masterpiece mm. in this arena. It feels like they're capable of it, but mm. they haven't quite reached that height yet. Um, uh, just spoiling my you know views on exodus a little bit i don't think they i still don't think they have quite reached that just yet um but yeah i exodus was one of those ones where um um it was like it's a classic case of i bought it it was just sitting in my epic um epic library waiting to be played um and this podcast was just basically the perfect excuse to to properly dive in i managed to get about halfway through the game uh, before the six month delay um and then <laughs> and then um in the last week i um finished off the the second half of the game i finished it today much like tony um probably not as strapped for time as you were though tony um and um i i haven't checked out the enhanced edition simply because yeah. my understanding is that the it's a big difference between the regular version of the console version uh, and the enhanced edition my understanding it's not that huge a difference not of the pc if you, only if you have an rtx card on the pc yeah. the differences are quite so stark i think yeah and i yeah, I haven't got a um, right thirty eighty or anything like that no. at the moment. So good luck getting hold of one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, um, cryptocurrency. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I played it on normal and um, oh, completed yeah. it today. Yeah. How about you, Tony? Difficulty wise, because it does make a big difference with these games. Um. So I've <laughs> I'm all over the place on this. So I I completed it on normal, just my running through. Um. 
one of the reasons I'm slightly late is because I actually did a, a bit of a Ranger hardcore <laughs> run as well. Ooh. Um, which Brave. will be, an, yeah, an interesting talk uh, on the show as well. But mm. um, I'm, I'm sure we'd, we'll probably get into different, because the game is can be approached in you know, a couple of ways of being very stealthy or, or quite gung-ho. Um, but And I'd say from the outset, I was pretty much 90% stealthy. So I think mm-hmm. that might play into probably some of the, you know, because I, I, I suppose coming into these games a bit later, you do have a general kind of, you, you're aware of conversations about maybe what you should be doing versus what you shouldn't be doing, if that makes sense. So if, you, if you're looking for the good ending, that I was, I was kind of already informed like to, to stick by the, um, the rule set, kind of by the games or the, the NPCs around you. So I was, you know, I, I was, I guess I went in with a slightly kind of like, right, this is what I'm going to go for. I'm going to try to go for the good ending. So, um, yeah, so that probably added to my time significantly. But yeah, mostly on normal and then running through on Ranger Harkon, kind of knowing what I'm doing, which adds a whole new element, which is fun. Mm, excellent. Now, Leah, you weren't on those previous Metro shows because you hadn't joined the gang yet. But uh, I don't yeah. know if you have a history with this series. We know that you, uh, well, you like a lot of different genres, but this, uh, you know, first person action horror is uh, in your wheelhouse as well. But um, history with the series in this game? Uh, so I didn't have much of a history previously, but what I did was, um, I had kind of been interested by the Metro games just because of kind of the setting and the story. Um, Mm. so I hadn't actually gotten around to playing the previous titles in the series, but when we, uh, announced the schedule for this year and I was on this show, I decided that it was it was good and time to remedy that. So I played over the course of this year, I have played um the first two games, the uh oh. the Redux versions of both of them what? um on Xbox. And mm-hmm. then I played the PS4 version upgraded to the PS5 version of yeah. Exodus. Um, mm-hmm. So I have played over the past whatever eight months ish all three games. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I am with the series. All fresh, very yeah. good. What difficulty do you? It's select? whatever the default was. I, I assume that's okay. normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, myself. Well, yes, I played Metro. 2033 for that show having put it to one side previously or somewhat ahead of that show but anyway uh, i played last light for professional review but i didn't join in on that podcast Uh, but i enjoyed it quite a lot some of the criticisms it was interesting listening back to that show i actually sort of uh while i totally appreciated some of the criticisms about the stealth in last light being overpowered I really, as a as a rubbish, lazy, impatient stealth player, that was actually one of the things that I really appreciated about it was that it was it was quite easy to stealth and stay hidden without the frustrations of being spotted because you've got unwittingly you've got a bit of your sleeve sticking out, you know, behind a a post, but you can't really tell because you're in first person and yada yada yada. So, uh, but I think yes, uh, I, I also understood that. For the hardcore Metro 2033 fans, and particularly those who had come from Stalker, perhaps they'd gone a bit far for the tastes of those in in softening the experience for Last Light. But I enjoyed it very much, nonetheless. 
can't remember why I didn't get Exodus at the time. Probably just snowed under with other things to play for fun and for the podcast. And so, yeah, I was very keen when Tony put this one forward to, to catch up with it. I bought it in, in a digital sale because it was already like a year old or whatever. Uh, saved a fair few quid. And then uh, I made the briefest of starts on it in the uh, unenhanced version. And then, yeah, that was announced. So I waited for that to turn up. And yeah, it's a free update as well, I think. Yeah, didn't pay any was, money yeah. for that one. Uh, and so, yes, I played the uh, the 60 FPS Xbox Series X, uh, you know, all bells and whistles version over the last few weeks. And I also played both chunks of DLC, finishing the second one just last night, in fact. So the developer is for... Oh, I played on normal, I should say. Yes, all on normal. Uh having played the original on easy because it's mean as you recall. it is mean actually. Listen, yeah <laughs> listen listen back to those shows uh 4a games still the developer actually uh and the publishers remain deep silver the core team has barely changed throughout the series andrew prokhorov is the director and uh, uh vyacheslav aristov is the lead game designer as he has been on all the metro games and was a games designer on Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, from which uh, the 4A Games team kind of uh, came about. The game shares some, yeah, some significant DNA with those games, but where the Stalker games were notoriously hyper-janky, the Metro games have moved further and further away from that sort of uh, tag being assigned to them uh, i think the first one was quite janky when it first arrived but it got patched up and now with the redux versions of the first two games and this game i don't think it's known for having significant bugs at all although we will hear from one correspondent later who did find some once again the writer is andrei pashkalov with as i say dmitry glukowski consulting i guess and in having input and again the same composer returns for the third game alexei omelchuk game was released initially with jank on windows pc and ps4 and xbox one in february 2019 and the enhanced edition arrived in may this year on pc as i say you'll need a to get the most out of it you need a ray traced enable uh, ray tracing enabled graphics card gpu and the ps5 and uh, xbox series version arrived 18th june 2021 obviously Depending on which series console you've got, uh, you'll get a higher resolution. But you knew that when you were buying your series console. Reviews-wise, uh, the game has a healthy 83% on Open Critic. The enhanced version has 85% from considerably lower number of reviews, but we're in the same ballpark. User reviews-wise, on the IMDb, it's got 82 uh, from nearly 2,000 folks. Push Square 7.3, which seems quite low compared to the others, but that's only 16 votes, maybe. It got review bombed for some reason, who knows. Uh, <laughs> and on Steam, despite that difficult start, it is now sitting on very positive from 53,000 votes or whatever. Sales-wise, Metro Exodus sold 50% more copies than its predecessor, Last Light, up to the end of its release quarter on 31st of March 2019, the game generated 58 million euro for publisher Deep Silver. After the release on Steam, 
and 15, uh, 15 Feb 2020, the game sold more than 200,000 copies within a couple of days. Thanks, Wikipedia. The game was nominated for some uh, Golden Joystick Awards and Game Critic Awards. Uh, didn't win many, but did win the Pegasus Awards 2020 Best International Game. There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> um, I want to say, actually, before we jump into the game, that I, mm. I do remember the the advertising for this game to be significantly um, ramped up from the original two releases. Uh, okay. To the point of where, do you, do you actually remember the, the E3 demo they did on the Microsoft stage where they no. showed off the, the kind of the first area being, actually no, it's towards the back end of the game now, I think about it. Where you yeah, get attacked. It the, yeah, the, the autumn. Yeah, uh, yeah now the, think about it. Yeah, but you're being attacked by the bear and they did a lot of the kind of close-ups and it was around the time of the, the, the Xbox One X um, launch. So they were doing a lot of, you know, this is going to be 4K and look at this and... It was a, a really quite impressive showing because it was, you know, that, that idea of enhanced graphics that we hadn't quite seen before and, you know, the hype that surrounds just that in itself, how you can really push a game and, it, and kind of get people the hype generated around something just looking as spectacular as this did. And actually, you know, looking at the game now versus a, a kind of that comparison video, you can go on YouTube and see the original showing and seeing where they they kind of beefed up and where they kind of cut back. With the, the modern kind of enhanced versions and where the game sits now, they, they were pretty damn close about, you know, what they were targeting yeah. and actually what yeah. they delivered in the end. Maybe not on the base consoles, <laughs> but, um, you know, with, with a powerful enough PC and, um, you know, the new consoles, they they really did hit that. And it's even, yeah. I mean, I say even now, like two years. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a, it's a good-looking game. But, yeah, there was, there was a lot of... Um, kind of anticipation and hype around the actual uh, original release. Whether that actually mm. generated into sales from everybody, I don't know, but, you know. Mm. So scenario and setting-wise, uh, I think we've all said that, well, we know that Tony is uh, not only does the setting and scenario appeal, but you're actually invested in it. You've played all the games and you've listened to all the audiobooks. Uh, what is it about this utterly grim <laughs> scenario that, that you like so much well it's escapism from my everyday life um, yeah you know to see <laughs> gardening in the in the <laughs> idyllic green pastures of england no um i think post-apocalyptic stuff for most people most people i think is interesting yeah i, I think you know we all do not necessarily fascinate but we well, i have that kind of morbid fascination with you know where we yeah. would be as a society and the original two books and games were a really interesting look about um you know how society would be if you just literally locked them away and told them that you couldn't access the outside world and of course like mm. any <laughs> any horror stroke you know fiction around around this it turns out to be you know the the evil people are ourselves you know ourselves so you know yeah. um and but what was interesting for me was coming into this wanting to listen to metro 35 it's like a 14 hour listen on the book so it's it's quite a a chunky novel and actually the um the second book it's somewhat of a departure from the first book so the, mm. with um 2035 you pick up back with artian's story about him you know fascinating what's on the outside world and yeah. essentially he's obsessed isn't he Artyom, he is with, he, he believes that something's not right and that there is hope somewhere on the planet and there's not they don't necessarily need these people in the heart of the former Soviet Union to stay underground forever. He feels that they should be seeking, I suppose, as as mankind seeks 
to colonize the stars he's thinking about going further afield and being able to live somewhere happily far yeah, away and, from where the nukes hit and ultimately i mean the book is as kind of dealt with um you got the dark ones in in the the was it 2034 um which are kind of like these ethereal beasts that he kind of is partly in his brain as well but what is different from exodus to the actual 2035 is mm. the book is still set entirely in the metro is it? Okay. <laughs> apart from like two chapters where they actually get out of the metro and realize which they do cover this a little bit in the game mm. where they realize actually there's a bunch of jammers you know, signal jammers around the entirety of uh, Moscow that is preventing uh, signals coming yeah. in and signals. The going conspiracy out. is real in this case. It is, um, and ultimately, it's it's a kind of that conclusion of well, look, I told you so. But weirdly, within the book, he's convinced that actually this is a positive thing, and he should come back to the metro um, because the people around him believe that actually the war is still happening. And if their right. signal does go out, they will be killed. They mm. do explore this a little bit in the game, but nowhere in the same fashion than they do within the book. And actually, within the book, what is very strange is Miller, the the captain and uh, Anna's father, is essentially almost the the bad guy of the actual scenario. <laughs> like, okay. he's the one that is actually keeping you locked up and he's the one... The start of the game implies that that's how it's going to be, but actually it turns... They, they become, you know, very close. They do, they? yes. Uh, and, and Miller, yeah. Yeah, and they do, they do touch on aspects of uh, Anna's relationship with her father, how he's, you know, was a raging alcoholic and how essentially he killed her mother and stuff like that. And if you listen to enough conversations, that stuff does pop up. But what is very different from the book is, like I say, 95% of the book is based with still within the metro. And actually, Exeter's 95% of the game is based on these wide outdoor spaces. And they, it's like they take one aspect of what yeah. what the narrative is within within the, the, the book and, and go with it. And I, I think, you know, we'll talk more about the kind of scenario and setting here with, with people's opinions, whether that's a good or bad thing. But for me, I guess it was a way of them... I don't know, just breaking out the confines of what those two games were and, and maybe flexing their own kind of creative muscles and trying something a little bit different. Obviously, we we're, we're, might have different interpretations of whether leaving those confines uh, is a good thing or bad thing. But, you know, I think I understood, even though the, you know, the, the literature in the book is is quite restrictive in what they eventually do in the Exodus, you know, it's it is what it is. You know, I think they they just break away. And if anything, for me, being invested in both the books and the games, it was interesting to see maybe a different take and and running off that scenario a bit further rather than just maybe retreating or retreading mm. the uh, the same yeah. things I've listened to. You can totally understand. You can imagine the conversations between the games designers and and the author Gulkowski sort of uh, having that that sort of uh, pull give and take push and pull between the original fiction and the desire to make a bigger more wide-ranging game mm. Mm. Uh, yeah i think the biggest shot for me though is in the novel there there is no redemption for miller so to start having the game and suddenly being faced with one of you know the, the character as where there was no redemption and you know having mm. to to spend the best part of you know 30 40 hours with that character and kind of seeing a different light was just, it's its quite odd. It was quite kind of jarring at the start, but you know. Do you think that's a product, because 
the way this game is structured, there's like the macro plot, which is very much, to be honest, in the background mm. most of the time and only really crops up when you're transitioning uh, between places. But in reality, this game is kind of a short story collection. Each area yeah. kind of focuses on a on a different theme and a different trope of post, post-apocalyptic fiction. Mm-hmm. Do you think with the amount of bad guys that they end up injecting into the plot, Miller also being a antagonist figure might have been over-egging the pudding? I'm surprised they just led off with him at all. I, I guess yeah. he, they, he could have just been one. But then again, I get who are they delivering this for? Is it people that are a fan of the of, of the novels or people that want a, a story through the game? What I will say is, having you know read through the novels, there is quite a few aspects within found within Exodus, which is taken from different sections of different books, like you know the uh, the cannibals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. You know they are. Areas they've explored, in, I think, almost in previous games, but also within the you know within the novels. So I feel like it's kind of like a catch-all. Like he's kind of taken everything and and just spread it across a a slightly different direction. But it, it is it is a little bit jarring having to be a fan of the books and then seeing how they take that narrative and move forward. But you know, ultimately, you you have to get over it. But what I will say from from my take of a fan of the novels is that. It's just not very well written. Like the actual game itself, it just it, it you know the story just just feels really rote. I've seen it you know time and time again, and I mean like you just said, Josh, like it just yeah, it's kind of just like a, a catch-all of kind of post-apocalyptic settings. And I don't think you know, although the narr- you know the novels are very very good, you know, and actually kind of award-winning novels, the, the what they present them in in the game just. Yeah, it, it feels like a very video gamey version of a really good piece of literature, which always confuses me because it feels like you could just take some of the text from a great text and just move it across. But yeah, it feels like it's all freshly written. Well, the, the, the thing, because I actually don't think the stories and the themes that Exodus explores, I think are fertile ground for really interesting scenarios and interesting moments and like i'm a great believer in execution over you know innovation you don't Mm -hmm. have to have a brand new idea as long as you really really you know swing for the fences um but um what this game is missing for me is character is like like a real sense of um, engaging with people and mm-hmm. how these scenarios affect people. And it tries. I'm not saying it doesn't attempt to do that. Um, and I don't know what it is about the first two games. And and I think it's because, especially Last Light, I think is kind of uninterested in humans in a mm-hmm. individual basis. And it's more interested in culture and more mm-hmm. interested in the world and the environment. Whereas this game does care about individuals. Like it wants you to care about the inhabitants. It of only this cares train. about the individuals for my taste. That, yeah, that yeah. was I think that was part of part of yeah. the to to just kind of agree with something, Josh, that you said, I I I feel like it I I don't know. That's that's where kind of the weakness came in for me. It just felt too generic. Like we've seen some of these characters before, although not in this kind of depth. And here, 
that's what they clearly want to focus on and it just doesn't it doesn't yeah. feel great i if it if it were focused more on people all of the groups of people that we meet up with turn out to be psychotic or cannibals or somehow horrible which is a little at odds with the idea that well you know maybe humanity isn't all that bad well no everybody that we've seen out here is awful with maybe you know one person in each place who tries to help you or something like that in the previous games you saw more of the and then you know there are obviously still terrible people and terrible groups but you also see gatherings of people at different metro stations who yeah. have different ways of life slightly but also it's it's very familiar looking to what to what they to what your your characters have been experiencing in their own places it's it's a society it's you know yeah. different places this is just you know 10 people on a train who don't interact all that well because your character can't even speak to them <laughs> <laughs> i feel like um they must have looked at games like mass effect and 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 games where there's like a a sense of there being like a party of people that you go on this adventure with go on this journey with and said i we want that we want our normandy this train is going to be our normandy um but anna worked really well in last light as a kind of guide through the world through the environment she wasn't very well defined she was a sketch of a person at best but that was fine for what last light was doing because it 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 was very much about the tone and the atmosphere and all of that stuff whereas here there are just these minute long conversations with people that i've forgotten the names of half the time so, and then not and then i'm not emotionally invested at all so so i think i agree with you i think most of the stuff that happens on the train so if you talk about your main body you know your main companions i you know once again we talk about anna she spends you know the entirety of metro 2035 novel hating artium like there's there's a depth there where she doesn't believe him oh, really yeah she doesn't believe him she hates the fact he keeps going up to the surface and getting irradiated because she wants kids that's what's expected for right. from her down below she wants a family he that wants... would in, in that would have been yeah in, in, introduced some real interesting um, conflict and it's and literally the, yeah, the last kind of probably hundred pages or so of the book that she even kind of agrees, she finds herself in the situation where she's just going up to the surface for almost, you know, because she has no option. And mm. it's revealed that, you know, they can go for Like, this is what I get. There's some really good, interesting, deep writing. And then you come to this crew and you have to separate the two. They're not the same property. They are different in that regard. So you have to look it at it. It almost the... sounds like this is a partial sequel rather than a direct interpretation of 35. Yeah. And it's... a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning is stuff that like happens in the first half hour of the, of yeah. the game. Maybe hence the different name. But, yeah. Maybe. But what I will disagree is I do think, you know, the character study is there of the inhabitants of the areas that you travel through. For as much as I think there's plenty of problems that's happened with your main, your main crew, I do think, you know, you when you start off in the Volga and, and you you work your way down and you find, you know, the ha the inhabitants who have, have completely riled against um, any form of electricity or, you know, anything, any form of machinery. It's about just, you know, um, what's it, the flame, you know, and bits like that where it's, if if you can 
work your way through the camp and hear what they're saying. You know, they're kind of like you can see how these little cults would would build up, and that's their little kind of mini societies that you would see underground. Um, I do, I do agree with that. I, I, I think that is playing into their strengths, mm-hmm. right? That's that's playing into because they're good at. I think they are good at writing culture and like a uh, group dynamics and and. Like the the little narratives that you bump into as you explore off the beaten track, um, you know, outside of the objective markers in in these open areas, that stuff is interesting because it is about you know, as you say, groups of people and understanding the psychology mm-hmm. behind why these groups would behave in certain ways. It's just, yeah, it's just these individuals that don't work for me. For me, I think I did by the end after a lot of exposure get a sense of some of the characters but certainly for the first uh, first good percentage of the game they were just those you know the kind of the gang of ruffians who were on the burly, train burly but, bearded white dudes yeah <laughs> yeah uh but uh you know you pick some people up along uh, as you go and they look a bit more distinctive you've got a, a woman and a child you've got the older train driver guy and I did start to get a sense of um, camaraderie from it and warmth. There's a there's a really nice uh, couple of scenes, uh, a wedding scene in particular, uh, which has had one of one of your gr- group of ruffians get involved with the woman that you've picked up. Um, that it all quickly goes wrong when Anna starts uh, coughing properly after telegraphing mm-hmm. that for the previous few hours. But um, I think. Even though I was uh, I was probably a bit lazy about not reading all of Archim's diary entries, and I think some of the, the flavor text in there would probably flesh people out a bit. The issue I have, and this is kind of a broader video game criticism, I suppose, something that I've noticed, and actually not just games, this happens in films as well, but I think it, it in films it's not so obvious because we recognize human faces much more easily. But in games... They, you've got all these tremendously talented artists and they design these characters and as they're designing them, they're incredibly careful to give everyone different uh, costume flair and different elements of design across their whole person that makes, makes them different. And I think what happens is that the designers get really close to these characters and they forget that perhaps the audience needs a bit more to be a bit more heavy-handed with the visual stuff so that we can actually pick them apart more easily because otherwise, as Leah says, it just looks like a bunch of bearded, big, burly white dudes. If you're playing in the Russian language as I did, you can't necessarily even pick their voices apart very easily. Yeah. Uh, and and so I ended up with this kind of slightly homogenous lump of supporting cast, which, as I say, it became clearer as, as, the, as the game went on who was who, and I ended up playing the... Uh, the the Sam story DLC where you actually get to know Sam and he makes a friend himself which is quite you know quite a touching story, but I think yeah I think it's a it, particularly the first I, I think this game starts notoriously slowly I think I've I've seen, seen a lot of people say this the first hour hour and a half uh, it's it's very it's all very linear and uh, you're in familiar territory if you've played the previous games but um, but there's a lot of people being thrown together and and you kind of yeah you kind of you're expected to know things that you might not know they yeah they 
they split you off with characters, and I, I think that does help uh, as as part of the story. You know, you will go on various missions with one yeah. character or another, and there are choices you can make or actions you can take that will affect that to some extent. I think I... There's, like, one character that you can stop from getting injured and then there's another character mm. who will who might leave if you don't I, I don't know what you have to do to get him to stay because he left in my game and then another character that you can also get to stay or leave and that one stayed for me and, and it's, it's like i mean they you can see the pieces or i could anyway see the pieces moving pretty significantly that way and i guess that does sort of help to distinguish them a little bit you get more of their personality mm. in kind of those side quests or side missions. Um, but yeah, I just, and it, it doesn't, listen, faces are hard, but honestly, I yeah. did not think these were good faces, especially that's, the eyes. The eyes are creepy. That's a big issue. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. With the, if, if, if you're, this if is you a know... really good looking game, but the character models were not the best. Yeah. 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 And if, if you have, if you know that, if you know you, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they did a lot with what they did, but we are now, our sure. eyes and brains are now uh, accustomed to a better level, uh, a more, yeah, more well, like... veris verisimilitude level of human face. And so they need to, they need to compensate for that stuff with just colorful costumes, even just give them a different color each yeah. or something like that. I, I, the, the thing is, I don't think it's, <laughs> With the faces, it, it's not even the fidelity of detail because I think if you just took a still frame of them, mm. they do look pretty good. It's just the way they animate. And I was like thinking about yeah. how much I still... F like Alex Vance in the original Half-Life 2, yeah. there's still so much communicated through how deftly her facial animation is handled. Mm. Um, and even that, you know, you don't need to go down the full, you know, Naughty Dog performance capture route. Sure. Just, like, a, you know, a little bit more attention to detail on just the way characters' faces move and animate would have made all the difference. But I also, but yeah, it's I also not think here. they set themselves up for a bit of a fall because they have these, I think, you know, they're perfectly fine, good-looking characters, but because they want to keep you in that kind of in-body experience at all times, you know, be it through getting through vehicles, up through events and stuff like that, and they make you a silent um, protagonist. It it's really odd. Yeah. So yeah. You, you find yourself being, you know, spoken to like a friend, like a buddy, and then just like someone ripped your voice box out. And I know games have done silent protagonists for many, many years, and some get them right and some get them wrong. But this one just feels like they're having a personal conversation with you, and you are stuck there going. I just want any button to say something just to go, uh-huh, or even a thumb in front of my face just to just to speak yeah. to them and say, this is so, it just feels really, like the entire time I felt really distracted and I, uh, de not distracted, detached from. Let's bring Badger Catcher in from the forum on this because uh, I think they put it really well. It's so jarring to have people sparking up conversations with you when you just can't reply. It was like a worst husband simulator. <laughs> your wife lying on your lap, pouring her heart out, mm -hmm. worried about what's going to happen to everyone. You push a button to touch her head like a child and then get up and walk away. Just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go shoot some things, woman. The true highlight of this being the wedding. Everyone's celebrating, wife almost dying. Then they all start giving speeches, doing toasts. Someone plays a song. Your wife looks at you affectionately and says something like, your turn, Artyom. 
at which point I just sat there, looking around at all their staring, expectant faces, didn't see any prompt for speech or toast, stood up and walked away, just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, this wedding blows, I want to go shoot some things and talk to my diary. To be honest, it was hilarious, but still so damn weird. Why put the spotlight on me if I can't speak? Maybe I missed a prompt, uh, you did. But I'll forever be the most disinterested jerk that just came for the liquor and left. Who cares that my wife coughed up blood? She asks too many questions anyway. Why isn't she a gun or a diary? <laughs> Maybe then I'd have something to say to her. Um, Why isn't there, my wife a gun? <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, something that many people have asked. America. We, yeah, she, um, there is a prompt, but all you can do, I mean, all you can do, you can sit down and play a song. So there is that. But yes, we talked about the silent protagonist thing back in the Metro 23, mm -hmm. 33 show in 2013. And I've generally been an advocate of silent protagonists, but I can totally see here that increasingly yeah. as games get more well, character based, Valley, isn't it? and it's yeah, it becomes increasingly jarring, I think, mm. as... Yeah. Silent protagonists work for me when you are intended to step into that role yourself, like as yes. the player. They don't really work for me when the character is pre-written as Artyom is and, you know, obviously already has been written with a personality and with it and but but he can't do anything about it. So, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. There's there's actually a scene in this game. I can't, I can't remember which level it is, but it's like it's called Toast of the Captain, and you can go into this this guy's room, and he'll talk to you about you know his his adventures for I think you have to sit there for seven minutes while he's having this discussion. Some with quite you. long uh, it, scenes of but, just conversation. But there? why this scene is so good? He's got two dead guys next to him that he keeps mm. cheering and doing the voice like the animated puppet voices right. to next yeah. to, you. and it felt like I was the third dead guy where he was just you know mimicking who I was from a distance where eventually I pick up a guitar and make lullaby him to sleep. And I was like, this is a perfect analogy of what this game is. It feels like in, in many scenes. So it's mm. unfortunate. I, but I think that's why, back to the point of why those kind of smaller side stories are more interesting to me is because ultimately those things are happening in the background. You, you're hearing the antagonist of whatever these, you know, colony you are coming through, you know, talking over the radio or, you know, you know, giving him their sermon or whatever it may be. And you kind of get that feeling of like, okay, I can see how how this one person has manipulated an entire army to believe this one thing um, under under their banner. But, you know, because you're not necessarily interacting with it, you're just interacting with the environment around it rather than directly trying to have conversations with people and having that uncanny, like, am I really here? It's, yeah. Luke10123 from the forum says, I wasn't particularly excited by Metro Exodus prior to launch. I'd really enjoyed the two previous titles in the series, but I felt leaving behind the unique setting of Moscow of the Moscow Metro system wasn't the best idea, but I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Having played it, I still believe that the series was at its best when it stuck to its roots, but I was pleasantly surprised at how well Metro translated into a more open setting, even if it was at the cost of, in my opinion, feeling more generic. Another example is the removal of more powerful pre-apocalypse bullets being used as currency. This was a fun and unique system that forced the player to consider how badly they really needed items and if they were willing to weaken themselves by trading away their ability to deal high damage. Something that could come back and haunt them a few hours later when they are on the surface, wounded, surrounded by mutants and running out of air. By far my favourite part of Exodus were the characters and the sections on the train in particular where we got to spend some quality time and get to know them. They all felt like real people, 
rather than stock characters or archetypes, and by the end I felt really invested in their lives and stories. That being said, if, like me, you want to hear all the conversations and dialogue, sometimes these sections can start to drag on a bit, and I feel the game would be better served spreading them around somewhat. While the overall plot isn't anything special, this is a story of the journey rather than the destination. There's no real central antagonist to speak of, and it's all fairly predictable throughout. But I was still motivated to continue because of how much I'd come to care for the supporting cast. All that being said, my biggest criticism is one levelled at the previous games in the series, and that's the protagonist. I still find the decision to have Artyom remain silent for so much of the game is a mistake, especially as we know he's not a mute. The fact that he can talk sometimes but not others is as frustrating as it sometimes feels like he doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the cast. I'm glad he's not a completely silent protagonist, but I feel having him more involved would have only improved the game. I assume Luke there is referring to the, the between uh, level parts. I just wanted to agree very hard with one section of this, and it's where they say that um, the open setting makes it feel more generic. That was my mm. biggest issue with this game. Mm. And I, I think that um, based on some conversations that we've had uh, <laughs> on the side and in Slack, I, I think that I'm probably one of the least positive on this game here. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason for that, I, I, I liked... I I really like the story conceit of this game, and yeah. for that reason, I think that I might have been better off reading the books instead <laughs> of actually playing the game. Um, I haven't yet, but I do have the first one on my Amazon wish list. So hearing hearing Tony, you speak pretty mm. highly of them. I uh, I'm motivated to perhaps pick that up. Um, but I in the first games, I felt that they kind of had a unique thing going on for them because there are plenty of apocalypse stories. There are plenty of, you know, um, wasteland type things. But the setting of the Moscow Metro is something that I hadn't seen before. You know, it is yeah. it is this mix of kind of horror with uh, with that post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic setting that's very confined and almost restricted and it's pretty linear and i for my money that that's how these games worked best mm. for me is when they were linear when they pulled yeah. it out into the open world it became about hey look how many things we can fit into this open world you know you can and then you get to pixel hunt all over the the place <laughs> for things that you can set as markers on your map so that you can go look at those i didn't find that the random I, for lack of a better word random encounters that you get into or emergent yeah yeah I didn't I didn't find that those really added much when I did find them. It was just kind of a matter of I, I mean I think maybe that the word random the, the the phrase random encounters that I landed on first says something about kind of how I felt about those. Mm. It was just kind of you run into a bunch of mutants, kill them, okay, now move on and keep going towards this waypoint. Uh I it to me I did not appreciate that part of the changes that they made to the Metro series because it just didn't feel like they did enough that was original or even particularly well executed. Like it's fine. And to me, that's pretty damning to say that it's fine. Like it, it, it wasn't broken uh, except for once when I did actually crash to the PS5 ah. desktop. Okay. Um, that, that only happened once, but it did right. happen. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's not broken. It's it's serviceable, but it's to me, it just kind of ended up feeling like a 
a 360-era open-world shooter that is ultimately kind of forgettable, and it looks pretty, but I, I mean, it just, it didn't stick with me at all. I did not, I was not engaged until maybe the end when you start going back into the, the tunnels and you are yeah, a little bit more on rails. there are some tunnel rails. sections, we should say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are some whole levels which are more focused around uh, networks of yes. underground areas and stuff. Yes. And I can I can completely yeah sympathize. I didn't feel the same way. I'm I'm happy to say, but it's really interesting listening back. I realized earlier I said that uh, Darren was on the uh, the last light show. It was actually previous Darren, previous Brian and previous Darren. <laughs> it was uh, Darren Foreman, and one of the things he says uh, in in that show is you were all waxing lyrical particularly about the surface sections of last light and saying how amazing they looked back in 2014. And Darren said very specifically I think if they if they ever make this game open world, it, you know, it could be one of the greatest gaming experiences I've ever had, kind of thing. So there was uh, there, there was a desire for for that to to happen, and you can understand why the the studio went down that path. Sure, I mean, I I get it. It just for me, it did didn't not work land. for you. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, I think the the emergent encounters and the fact that sometimes you bump into people and you don't have to shoot at them, you can put your you can sort of semi holster your gun and get involved and learn things from them and the the sort of the the seemingly natural way in which you add points to your map based on finding things out or spotting things it totally worked for me i was uh i was as soon as the the intro was over which i did find a bit uh constricting and uh and and frustrating as soon as i was out in that first open world section i was uh, i was in my element i absolutely loved it yeah i uh, th- this is my favorite part of this game um and I, I I do actually understand where Lee is coming from mm. because in a lot of ways this decision is motivated by the trends mm-hmm. of the time, right? Like everything so. is going open world. Um, but the things that I loved about the above ground sections of Last Light was how hostile and how oppressive everything felt. Mm. Now... I don't think there is any section that quite captures just how oppressive that windswept, rainy bridge was in Last Light, yeah. which is I still think is just, it really sticks out in my memory. But um, you do, like, it, it does that. It, it's funny because Breath of the Wild only came out, like, two years before this, but it does that yeah. thing of just not telling you that there's all this stuff out there. Mm. There's all these little stories. Um, Like I ran into this, like I thought they were going to be lethal enemies. And I went went into the encounter thinking I'm going to stealth kill them. And there was just this group of escaped. uh, So there's like in the first kind of big area you go to, there's this religion cult um, that's um, kind of blocking your way. Um, and I just bumped into these th- th- these cultists that were trying to get out of the cult, essentially. And, and they were just like set up their own little community. And it was completely off the beaten track. There was no marker. There was nothing. But it was just a little story um, that I mm. discovered. And, yeah. and it was special because I bumped into it and I found it. Um, I like how consistent the rule set of the world is as well. So something really funny happened to me in that first area where I couldn't get the I couldn't get the story sequence to trigger. Oh. Um, I, 
the, the, the all bit these things you... I said didn't bug out. It turns out they all yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so um, th- there's a bit where you fall into a pit and Anna's like breathing in this poisonous gas, right? Yeah. Um, I-, I couldn't get that that bit to trigger for a long, long time. Um, and so I thought, well, I must need to explore everything else in this world first then before anything will happen. I clearly have missed something. And I ended up basically doing everything in the world like cleared out camps uh just like just just discovered all these little you know items and gadgets that i probably shouldn't have had you know ahead of time yeah um and when i finally managed to get the story to trigger it guides you to all these areas but it didn't just it didn't repopulate those areas of enemies no it's just like well you've been there you yep. killed them all yeah well done like, yes, you just I really have an easy that. time and i i love that yeah so i think my couple of points is i'm glad this isn't a third game set in the tunnels of metro because I, I really feel like you know they they kind of not necessarily maxed out but they explored that that narrative i think if they had gone for a third one in there it would have looked pretty and done all those things but i think it just been oh another metro game i appreciate that you know as a developer they wanted to challenge themselves and maybe yes it's picking up on the kind of trend of open world games but i feel like they they hit that trend of open world games in the same way that they hit the trend of you know corridor shooters in the metro games they didn't just follow the trend they kind of created their own unique version of it and like just said you know you aren't going into an ubisoft title of just icons everywhere and i class them as pixel hunts i class them right i need to go here yeah. here 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 mm-hmm. and then by the time it just becomes automatic well, I did this with um the assassin creed the, the, was it odyssey um mm. you know i spent 100 hours in that game and i you know i barely i feel like i barely seen a, a tenth of it because <laughs> i was doing so much i got so bored of it here i, I generally certainly um so moscow was you know i, I love moscow from a, a visual point of view um and I didn't think I would like, um, oh, is it Yomatal? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think that's right. The sand area, because it's like, oh, this is really weird. Like, uh, you know, you expect these games to be set in a cold, apocalyptic world. And here you are, like a dried out desert. And it's, you know, it's just, formerly the Caspian, you know, the Caspian Sea. sea. So Post, yeah. And you've got all these ships and different stuff lying around. And it's like, wow, this is interesting you can actually see quite far and you can kind of pick out these individual points and like i see like uh, josh said i would find myself going into these ships and not necessarily going gung-ho actually working out if you come up to the door whether the guy is actually going to shoot at you or say actually yeah. look you know yeah these people are in here like who are you you know you're an outsider mm. but i my my most favorite emergent gameplay was actually in the moscow level where I was out and I was trying to stealth my way through. So I've got my guns all set up as, you know, very silent guns, a little bit less power, but headshots so nothing can hear me. And I found my way caught between the creatures of the wild. So, you know, beasts and dogs and things that will kill me pretty much in two bites, walking right in front of me, all perched up and howling, looking down. Um, I've got bandits behind me searching for me because, you know, they know something's going on with, with Torch. I've got, the like I'm by the sea, so I can't actually get to the sea because I can't cross, you know, this river because I'll be killed as well. And I just sat there for five minutes, just studying the area, going, how, how I'm, I'm trying. Luckily, you've got quick save in here, so you can make some of these decisions yeah. of like, okay, well, but I found myself in this scenario <laughs> where I had to eventually use a gun without a silencer on, 
and mm-hmm. I popped on one of these animals' heads, and the noise that ricocheted throughout the environment. <laughs> and I'll, I'll do this demonstration of like right. that, and I was like, "Oh!" And everything just turned around to this one spot, <laughs> and it was this frantic me chasing, you know, trying to run, and I barricaded myself into this building. They're coming flying through. My plan had gone completely wrong. But it was just really interesting and emergent gameplay that I know that is stimulating. not. It's not yeah. anything new, but in that scenario no. of being, you know, caught between these different aspects and knowing how each one of these characters was going to perform towards me, I found it really tense and engaging. And I think for me, because I challenged myself to solve these scenarios of, you know, if I can knock people out, if I can't, then silently kill them in the distance. If I can get through the base without being seen once, which there were some really interesting scenarios of, you know, trying to move across a bridge behind a guard as he moves back, you know, taking out a light, hiding, moving back, then moving back through it. You know, it's why this game probably took me 10 hours longer than most because I was like, right. And essentially I did get the good ending because I managed to kind of go, I guess, with its oh, its restrictive yeah. You know, here's all your guidelines. Don't kill. You know, save. It's the not like the first game in 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 its requirements. It's not I mean, nearly I, as oblique. I, I, no, I was I w- gonna because I was gonna say I also got the good ending and I killed all kinds of people. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. I, think- I I mean I I I won't say I won't say that I killed everybody. My my general uh thing was like if they are surrendering, which they will do. If they yeah. are surrendering, I wouldn't kill them. If, yes. Uh, if That'll I. Help. This is the way that I approach a lot of stealth games, actually. It's I, I stealth and I stealth and I stealth until someone sees me and yep. then I kill mm. everyone. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. But, but what mm. I will say, every time that I found myself in one of these scenarios where it became a corridor shooter, I actually became myself a little bit disappointed. And I think that was, right. that was uh, is it the vulgar where you go into where it's the cannibals? Oh, the cannibal section is terrible. And it, I, yeah. I really to me, don't like that, that section. It, that just felt so... That felt like an old kind of bolted on corridor shooter level that it was just really generic, boring. And I was glad when I got through it. Like that story's been done to death. They yeah. added nothing new to it. Um, they added heads in jars just in case you didn't get that they were cannibals. There's I did limbs have a, laying around in various places. I did places. have a moment where I killed a guy. He flew into a fridge and then absolutely did a crazy dance inside this fridge and made the fridge jump out of the level, which was pretty good. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I I do want to because this this actually touches on kind of the one negative thing um, I find about this game, and there is a big disparity because even though this is present in the previous ones, um, the open world aspect of it kind of amplifies uh, my negative feelings towards this. There's a big disparity between how fun it is to engage with the ranged normal human enemies who you know patrol environments and patrol camps i enjoyed that immensely versus the kind of you know the cannibals in that one section but most of the time the monsters and the human animals that populate environments it they just like they all have pretty much this apart Still, from the spiders yeah, yeah the, the spiders, spiders are, are cool interesting yeah they're they're interesting i wouldn't say cool but <laughs> i would say <laughs> t- terrifying I they cool. but like they're, they're dynamic <laughs> the, the, the spiders have <laughs> yes. they have yeah. a gimmick right well, they, were, they were in the previous game weren't they yeah 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 uh, but yeah. but what i mean is like every other monster right like the human animals the 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 wolves the everything else they just like they just charge you. towards same, you same as the first two games yeah really yeah really and, uninspiring yeah 
but like at least in the first two games i think like they're doled out at a pace that isn't frustrating whereas here you can just bump into swarms unintentionally and you're just yeah. walking backwards and firing for mm-hmm. like 10 minutes and it's just really not interesting and it, it, it's it's that disparity that makes it stand out because at least the they're human less enemies are so than fun. they were in the first game yeah, yeah. true <laughs> and um like i talked about how the game lacks a lot of character i think it makes up for it in how many like locations mm-hmm. feel uh, you know brimming with character they do a good job of like creating like visual landmarks in the environment um that stand out it doesn't feel like you know you're going through a generic open world where everything's copy and pasted it feels like there's an intentionality behind how the world is shaped uh, where yeah. your eyes are guided like it 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 does an impressive job of making the space memorable um, and not just what you do within it. Yeah, and I think that's that's highlighted between like the start and the end of the game. You're, you're essentially you're in two different cities. So you've got Moscow, which was absolutely bombed to oblivion, and you've got these high-rise skyscrapers that are just husks of you know of humankind kind of left on the ground. And then by the time mm. you get to the end, you you find yourself in a place called the Dead City, that was another place that's highly irradiated, but hasn't had that kind of it wasn't a major place so it hasn't had you know its um its architecture broken down but that way the environment has slowly but surely kind of taken it back as its own but you can see like the mad scramble of cards and junctions and different things all just you know piled up around these places and you know you can you can sense the panic that was around these people at these places and it wasn't you know whether they whether they were the better ones slowly dying in the city versus the ones that were just, you know, there when the bombs hit, it's it does drive the imagination. And I think that actually goes across most of the environments where, you know, there's plenty of games where I sit and look at buildings and go, wow, you know, the art design is, is, is incredible. But there was a whole number of times I'd walk through a, any single place and go, wow, look how that kind of, those, those two intersections come come together and that's blocked off there you know in a kind of interesting clever way and that building has crumbled down and you can go upstairs and you can kind of rummage through people's luggage i know it's only for scrap and whatnot but you know there is pictures on the wall and there is signs of families and you know human civilization that once lived and you know slowly but surely is you know degraded over a number of years and be it through either radiation in some regards or just you know people continuing being worn torn in these areas and even the people that now live in these places and how they've kind of redecorated their own ideas of what humanity will be going forward. Um, it's, I find it fascinating. And I think it's, you know, the art direction in this game is probably my, my favorite thing out of everything because it, you know, mm. graphics can look good and there's tons of games of great graphics, but actually, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, visually this game tells a story and Quite as I've already made it clear, quite often I found the visuals in the game storytelling way more interesting than the actual storytelling being told yeah. actually on screen. And for me, you know, that's that's a real highlight actually. Luke one oh one two three again from the forum says visually the game is great, the graphics and lighting are superb, and it ran really well on my PC. The different biomes you visit feel unique, and I really enjoyed exploring each one, even if they did occasionally feel a little empty, which isn't necessarily to the game's detriment. 
The seasons changing as our journey progresses gives a great sense of the passage of time and makes the Exodus feel like an odyssey. Yeah, for me, it's uh, the highlights were actually as much as I like the open world. And I, I do take Leah's point about the, the lack of radiation compared to the previous games, making it feel a little less threatening. Uh, the highlights for me were generally just the, again, seemingly or effect of organically discovering a building or something and, you know, entering via a flooded basement, seeing all the glowing mushrooms reflecting in the water and uh, kind of working your way through up some kind of building and maybe, you know, finding something useful at the end of it. Um, those sort of sections, which are actually kind of, yeah, obviously they are a big part of the game, but they're not either. They're not even necessary. They're not scripted as such. Uh, they might have some scripted jump scares or or uh, moments of enemy triggering and stuff like that. But yeah, the, just that experience to me just remains a thrill. Just on the on the visuals, I think like the the lighting in this game, and I haven't you know I haven't experienced the RTX version, mm. which must be absolutely mind-boggling but even in the regular non-rtx version i think the lighting is just incredible um and the confidence of just making sections of the game just completely pitch black so you're entirely reliant on the torch yeah. and 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 how atmospheric that makes it it's just great but like even you know sections where it is more fully lit the caspian sea section the way the sun reflects off of the sand and the the cliffs and all of that stuff it just looks so good like there are like obviously you know it's been a couple of years and that there have been games that have mm. technically moved things forward yeah. as long as there's not a human face in frame <laughs> there are sections of this game that are amongst like the the most beautiful you know, things I've seen in a video game. Um, it, it just, yeah, that lighting is incredible. Tolkien Taters from the forum says, I generally like the story and characters. The writing's not fantastic, but it's solid, and I like spending time with these characters. And the Russian voice acting seemed pretty good. Unfortunately, a lot of the plot does feel fairly predictable, but those predictable turns are generally well executed. However, I did find, in, find the ending to be overly sentimental, mostly just in the execution of the final scenes. We'll... We'll come on to that. But yeah, so which options did we go for? I played I, I, I once. I, I couldn't find it at first. And then, uh, Tony, I think it was you that said, oh, yeah, you need to download the yeah, it's grayed Russian out. language pack. So, yeah, yeah, it's grayed out at first. So um, so I did that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like I like playing it in the Russian with subtitles on personally. It, it worked for me. And I think, again, as we've said a lot of times about playing games in Japanese, it if there is any ropey voice acting or re repetition in there, you're less likely to be aggravated by it, I think, in a foreign language. Mm. I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I actually think the voice acting is pretty... I think the English voice acting is more unbearable because obviously it's my native tongue. Yeah. Um, so I'm more attuned to it. Um, I wish I obviously this came out before Chernobyl um, blew up. The TV um, series, I wish yeah. I wish they went with the choice that that TV show went with, which is just actors keep your accents because um, it's it's just going to yeah. you know act, act the emotion rather than the accent. Yes. Um, uh, but and I imagine if if they released it now, they probably would. Maybe do that. so. Yeah. But anyway. Um, 
I don't think the Russian voice acting is that good either. And I, as much as I agree that it softens the impact if mm -hmm. you're not a native speaker, you can absolutely tell the difference between a great charismatic foreign language performance mm -hmm. versus a fairly middle of the road dull delivery, which I think is the majority of the Russian voice acting in this. There is a reason why Ki Kiryu in um, in Yakuza mm -hmm. is an iconic character. That it's because that Japanese voice actor is so good. Um, like every Maybe scene, it's because he he's did, so over the top. He, but he he is. Kiryu, but eh. Tim Curry's no, over the top. Over but the I top. still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that but, would be Majima. I, I would rather have overacting than underacting any day, uh, any I, day I of the week. I am completely the other way around on that. I would always rather um, have completely naturalistic. Uh, than, I, I don't think not, this not is naturalistic. No, not for every character yeah. and not in every scenario. But if there was a, if there was a choice, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know anything. I don't even have the Russian cast names in front of me because I'd only butcher them, and I don't think it would mean that much to anyone. But I don't know. So the 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 English language cast is uh is a is a mixed bag of uh it's got some well-known people that we've we've featured before like steve bloom in there but also some some kind of you know not as well-known voice actors i don't know if the russian cast is made up of you know <laughs> a a grade russian celebrities or or whether it's a a, a similarly kind of you know budget affair um but yeah I, I do know what you're saying i don't think there's a huge amount of uh I just want some charisma, and I just wasn't getting any of that from any of the. I think performances. if you play, um, if you play the Sam Story DLC, there's uh, the the old sea captain in there is uh, okay. is great. But uh, but you on the flip side, that that whole scenario features Sam, who is meant to be an American who learned Russian, mm -hmm. but then when he so he talks in a mixture of Russian and English or American English, but because he's played by a Russian actor, the English bits sound absolutely absurd. They sound like somebody doing a kind of <laughs> bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression in the style of Duke Nukem or something that like that. That sold me, to be honest. <laughs> so, but, but it's quite entertaining. So, yeah, I mean, that, that stood out to me, and not in necessarily in the right way. So, <laughs> so I played it generally just with the normal English language track. And, and I think Jay may have pointed this out on our Slack forum. Um, for me, for me, I like to stay fairly grounded within a game, and I love foreign films, and I will I will happily watch a subtitle foreign film. Don't get me wrong; like I absolutely, you know, yeah. half my collection is full of that. But there's something about actually physically playing a game, and yeah, having like incidental, like with films, you're staring at the screen, you're kind of yeah. you're staring at the the person talking nine times out of ten mm. and the words are on the screen and you can find I found myself trying to listen to like the incidental voices in the background trying to stare at yeah. subtitles on the screen getting pretty distracted by playing while you're playing trying to craft ammo game, or something completely yeah. <laughs> missing out on aspects yeah. of what's going so I decided I'll take the bad voice acting purely in the for the ability to to take the most from the actual dialogue within the scenes yeah also I don't like I don't like subtitles in games. It's really weird. Every single game I will play without subtitles, and I think that's funny. And and some people play with them always on, even in, even English language games. Like. For for me, I love the minimalist stuff. So you know, I quite often I yeah. find myself turning 
you know, incidental stuff that I don't need if it's within the options and actually having the most real estate on the screen to actually represent me being yeah, within the game. I get that. Totally get and that. And with yeah. this in particular... There's no wrong answer here, is no, there? It's going like, to be... The voice acting is terrible. Having gone through all of it, it for me, the, the English... Wow. English. I don't know if it even is an English dub because I'm not sure what <laughs> what language they, they set out with, but let's say it's the English dub. It's just yeah. really, you know, wrought and by, mm. you know, by just average standards. And it's a shame because I don't think the script's particularly great, but what is within the script isn't particularly well delivered either. So it's like this double double edged yeah. well not even double edged, just like double punch over and over again of like, you know, a bad script, mm. bad dialogue but ultimately you know i liked the incidental stuff in the background which i could pick up and yeah it's it's a difficult one um well tony already mentioned the the repeat the report of the uh the gun in the in the dark across the across the wasteland uh for me another highlight talking about that immersion of you know some of the game systems keeping you immersed in the game but the environmental sound design for me was a was a good part of this as well. Uh, I think there there are a few little technical issues with uh, where it sounds like people's speech is coming from and things like that in terms of distance, which I know is a kind of a common gamey problem. Far Cry Two had that in spades, I remember, but that was a long time ago. But in terms of the actual noises of the uh, the 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 environment, the the weather, the the uh, the indoor kind of echo and all that kind of thing there were issues again with uh yeah with um also with people talking when they sa- they sound like they're in a recording studio when they're supposed to be standing <laughs> outside of a fast moving train and things like that which is always a bit of a yes that is a bit of an immersion sapper but for me the i was you know most of the time i was playing i was creeping around on my own in semi lit uh, buildings with you know that kind of delicious uh, haunting environmental noise kind of punctuating the whole thing and yeah big loud cracking gun noises or big not so loud pneumatic ball bearing noises was everyone else sold by the atmosphere of the, oh, the audio the, the the sound design's incredible i i i think it's like the, the I love how sparse the game is with its use of music. Mm-hmm. Um, it it deliberately um, focuses you on the sounds of the environment and the creatures in the background. Um, and there's a real um, you you talk about the gunshots and how they echo. Mm. I think that that is applied to all the sound effects the the idea that there's a sense of geometry right. to the sound like there's a sense of geography um that um it's not just it's not just pleasant oral sounds it's like communicating stuff to you as a player about where everything is while also you know feeding into the rich atmosphere that's around you yeah no i i completely agree i think whether it be <laughs> the environmental stuff and it's almost like the folly work where you're walking up a ladder and kind of having that real kind of clonk clonk underneath your your feet but not only mm. once you've done that once you get to the top of the ladder that kind of wrap you know a satchel sliding over your shoulders as you kind of push yourself up and almost like if you're on snow the crunch as you get yourself to the top of the ledge yeah. and pull up Scrunching and then the gun kind of making that noise is slowly you know it slowly comes back up to your waistline you know i, I think you know so, <sighs> The game does a very good job of keeping you in character, um, whether you you know whether you like it or not. Because sometimes I think it plays against it. But for me, I you know I love 
feeling you know when i was doing a like six seven hour extended play session with this and feeling almost i sound so quaint when you say it but feeling like i'm i'm actually that avatar walking around within yeah. the environment because totally. it doesn't break break it with menus you know we talked about the rat sack and stuff and yeah you are right that forever was like for me the zombie you i remember playing that on the wii u and mm. having to use the wii u as like this yeah. this thing and, and a lot of people hated that game once it came to the other consoles because it actually ditched that feature, that feature. and just put it as a menu and it was like, okay well fine every other game um that was one of its actually really interesting features so yeah f- for me the fact that it kept me always in in character in body was a powerful aspect but when it doesn't work, i.e. when you're talking to people, it's mm. <laughs> it kind of then yeah. breaks the immersion that much more harder than a character the game that doesn't actually deal with that stuff. So but I'd rather take, you know, exploring the environment within character than and well, I don't know. I never say because I do love narrative and story, but you know. It it works really well and I think the sound plays a, a massive part in all those aspects. I think there was some Bits of music that I do remember really enjoying. Some of the incidental stuff was, you know, it comes and goes and I didn't have too much of an opinion on it. Some of the combat music was just felt a little bit out of place at times, just a little bit too cinema, a little bit too Hollywood. Uh, But some of the mood music I thought was absolutely lovely. How about you folks? Uh, There was one track that I really didn't like, which was just like full on heavy metal rock. Oh, yeah. Which I think was trying to lean into like a Mad Maxi kind of feel, but mm. Metro just isn't that. It's not it's going for a much more as silly, you know, as silly as some aspects of this world is. It is actually trying to go for a more grounded yes. down to earth feel overall. And for it it to inject that kind of Mad Max Fury Road energy it just felt really out of place. It's funny, actually, Yamato actually felt quite Mad Maxi to me, having been a big fan of that game as well. Was, that was time I was like, yeah, no, I can see the similarities right. between those two. Um, yeah, there's that kind of the opening kind of theme tune that it plays is like a stinger through a lot of that. Dun, 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 dun. Like there's a lot of that stuff that, that happens and the final kind of scene that plays out is a really, you know, quite touching track than that, that kind of final end credit stuff. That was very, very good. But yeah, both music and environmental stuff, it knows, for me, it knows when to be restrained and when to, to pull out and be a bit more kind of bombastic. And although getting into combat and having it be a bit too heavy sometimes is like, yeah, fine, just reload save. <laughs> for me, anyway. Sporadic use of diegetic music with radios and tapes in the world as well. Uh, one thing I never really got my head around what the point was, was the the... the the sections where you sit at your desk and twiddle with the radio is that just a was was there anything more to that than I know you could find different stations some people would talk sometimes it would be a music track was there anything more to that did I miss something no probably other than just reminding you that there's a, a world out there that you didn't believe existed mm. I mean the, the audio tapes inside you know different areas that you'd find you know it's been done um, yeah well yes. in many other games it's it's adds flavor text you know flavor sound to um yeah to some of the environments it's one of those where you can't pick up the tapes though so you have to mm-hmm. you have to Sit stick in the room, around and yeah. wait for them to play or you can want to start wandering off and then they start yeah. why, why out is this person in a bathtub uh, oh it's because yeah they yeah. committed suicide and this is their story it's like yeah, yeah you know does that really ever happen probably not but, you know it's yeah I don't know what what we do about what we do, what developers do about this 
going forward with the medium because it is such a cliche. Audio logs and written logs, uh, you know, I was starting to uh, feel like this about, I'm not sure if we talked about it in The Last of Us Part 2, it didn't seem like the most important element of the game, but the, the fact that everyone's left a little note, <laughs> like so, I, not everyone. but I think actually to the game's credit in uh, this, it, it solves it by that being the environmental storytelling. Like I looked at the guy in the t- bathtub and went, yeah, he definitely looks like he decided to commit suicide. And, and looking at his, mm. his his house and looking at pictures of his family and children that were no longer there and all these other environmental storytelling, I was clear what had happened in the scene. Picking up the tape mm. then only reconfirmed what had happened in the scene and maybe even cheapened cheapened it. But I, I guess some people aren't as engaged in seeing what's needed a bit, maybe a bit more directed to them. But yes. And also with the notes in the world, the paper written notes, that is one area in which if you actually want to engage with those, you do have to kind of step out of the game world because it not only does it put you into a, a menu where they're printed out for you, unlike in, say, The Last of Us Part Two, where they hold them up and you can actually read them in the original handwriting or you can put on a, a printed overlay. Not only that, but you go into the menu and it actually shows you which documents you've yet to collect and which ones you've missed which is very gamey and seems very much at odds with the huge efforts they made in other ways to keep you immersed in the game world. Old traits die hard, eh? Yeah. 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 Luke10123 says, The gunplay is fine, decent. The weapons are fun and feel like they have a bit of kick to them, but I felt it was lacking in variety somewhat by the time I reached the end credits. Perhaps if I'd played on a higher difficulty, I might have thought more of it, but I really struggle to remember that that many great action sections, whereas I can remember plenty from 2033 and Last Light. So Luke here suggesting maybe maybe Leo feels this way, that actually the not only did the open world take away some of the tension, but also the the ability of the developers to actually, you know, curate set pieces that were as engaging in terms of firefights. I mean, in in a general sense, obviously it sounds like there are some things that um, that you guys ran into that maybe I didn't. Mm. That um, that it 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 does exist on the surface clearly, um, but I to me I I don't know I just I I did feel like expanding the scope to include that whole open world or quasi open world I guess mm. maybe mm. it 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 didn't feel as curated to me and that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it didn't work just for me. It just didn't work in, in that capacity. Any thoughts on firefights and general, I oh, know we've, we kind of already, I think, already uh, yeah, I think it, Josh talked about it earlier as maybe, you know, yeah. the actual individual firefights aren't as dramatic and maybe them being stuck down a, you know, a tunnel or a corridor mm. because generally you can see what's in front of you and kind of take, yeah. I always think for me, it's like, I loved Wolfenstein 2's firefights because they would be kind of like moving around the area and doing these different things. This to me is a very different game. I, I enjoyed the firefights out in the environment because they were emergent to me. And if that doesn't happen, then I can see how being suddenly in the open world isn't as interesting as, you know, being confined because the, the firefights in, I think the first two games were interesting for sure, but they also had their own little kind of, problems with the guns you know they were not meant to be these brilliant guns so occasionally when they jammed and occasionally when they didn't shoot straight you were like yeah yeah well yes. that's almost well, we talked about the first game almost feeling like fallout 
with a dice yeah. roll kind of situation going on. But the guns don't jam as much in this game, although they do still get dirty. Yeah, I, I never felt like it was an RPG running underneath the, the firefighters in here. I think, you know. Oh, no, you know, no, no, no. No, they were perfectly competent. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't feel like it was, yeah, maybe not like God tier uh, combat, but certainly for me, highly enjoyable, you know, satisfying headshots. I didn't feel like I was hitting things when I I was missing and vice versa. Tolkien Taters from the forum says, this was my first Metro game and I really enjoyed it. The best feature of Metro Exodus and likely the entire Metro series is an unparalleled sense of atmosphere. The mask filters, general scarcity and dozens of other little touches just make this world feel that much more real. It does sacrifice that atmosphere pretty often with a lot of bombastic set pieces that, while fun, don't fit in with the realistic tone that the rest of the game is going for. My biggest issue with the game is the bugs. I initially played this game on a decent PC up to the area with the pirates, where I encountered a game-breaking bug that required me to load a save from back in Moscow to progress, so I didn't bother. Later I saw it for $10 on the PlayStation Store, and hoping I wouldn't run into the same bug, I played it on my PS5. It looked fantastic with all the upgrades, and I was able to finish the game, but I continued to run into a lot of bugs, like the mutant bear fight repeatedly bugging out in different ways, and being able to un- being unable to shoot my crossbow. It didn't stop my game this time, but it was frustrating. All in all, I did really enjoy this game. Not the greatest, but I would recommend it to others, if they don't mind a few bugs. And reading that back now, even though, again, what I said at the start about the game being less mm-hmm. famous for bugs, I'm now remembering some of the bugs I did encounter in my however many hours it was playing it, including, yes, the not being able to draw up your gun bug. And yes, I also had a one single uh, soft lock bug. So, yes, it may still not be, even in its enhanced edition, complete edition incarnation, completely free of all issues. Did anyone in the Caspian Sea section, when you're driving in your your hippie van? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, did anyone find that when they pulled out the map and then put it back, it was like RTM put like a booster seat <laughs> underneath his chair? <laughs> no, maybe no, but that's on the hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was deeply frustrating because the only way to resolve it is to get out of the the van again and, oh. and go back in because otherwise you're just you're viewing the world from this weird height and it, it just it's oh, really I do know what you mean yes no I did have that yeah I thought you were like a booster seat like yeah. a rocket powered seat but no no I did have that weird no no child, no, yeah, like no literally seat, like yeah. a booster seat yeah, for you, toddlers suddenly yeah. the winter yeah. screen's really yeah really at the wrong angle no I didn't yeah, yeah. He's still only meant to be about 26 in this game, isn't he, Artyom? I think the first, or or something like that. The, in the first game, he was about meant to be about 20, and this game's, yeah, a few years down the line. That, that's the other thing as well, that, that the narrative of this game suggests they've been on the road for over a year plus. Yes, they do. The, the, the journey starts in, the, they leave in spring and come back in winter, or they leave in winter but and come back kind, in spring, like, something like that. I guess because they keep you in character for so well, they don't come back. Yeah, but it keeps you in character for so long. It's like really, like I didn't. <laughs> it took me, mm. you know, thirty-five hours <laughs> to, to to do this. But I guess those trips yeah. between the environments took you know four months, like on a train. I think well, it's a big place. <laughs> it certainly. Is, yeah. uh, I mean, it's long enough. They're, they're they're on the road on the rails. I should say long enough for the uh, also, for the for the guy and the woman to. Fall also, in this is like a, a narrative, you know, bugbear of mine. I'm pretty sure the rail network 
would have been bombed. Yeah. I, like, I don't think you can get from Moscow to the other end of uh, Russia. And there's one, one bit, bit where the tracks are a bit yeah, dodgy. I reckon, I, reckon there were, <laughs> I reckon there were a lot of other bits that we didn't see. But yes, it, it wasn't adequately explained no. why the train isn't repeatedly flying <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> and, they're, and they're traveling at high speed the entire time. Yes. This is like, oh, this oh, is yeah. fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see it up ahead. It's, yeah, yeah. like breaks breaks in any kind of narrative sense you have to hand wave that i yeah. think i don't think there's any other way of, of dealing with it otherwise it would have been a very interesting game of just stopping uh, shunting forward a few yards and then fixing some railways <laughs> railway track it was it's just days. it was just a very inefficient war like they they <laughs> hadn't learned the lesson about you know you disrupt the supply <laughs> chain yeah and you defeat the enemy no they're just like bomb the cities that's it yeah yeah, yeah there you go how do folks feel? So as with the previous two games, there are good canonical, uh, good slash canonical ending and a bad ending. Uh, I think uh, going back to the first show again, I think you, was it you, Josh, described? No, can't have been you. She weren't on that one. Talking about the, uh, the, the, the canonical good ending as effectively a secret ending because it was, although it was the one that the story continues on from, and I guess the one closest to the book, it was ridiculous mm. to try to actually get it if you didn't especially if you didn't know what the what the requirements were whereas uh they they kind of addressed that with the second two games i had the thing where coming into this game all right it had been seven eight years since i played the last light uh, game installment but i could remember virtually nothing about the story of the second one whereas i could remember quite a lot about the first one um, which which may have been telling so this game yes has two endings one good, one bad. Leah, you said you got the good ending, which uh, that we're going to spoil it. Warning, we've already given you your warning, but just in case, uh, this this game probably maybe ends. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it doesn't end the Artyom cycle uh, if you get the good ending, because canonically he lives. But in my ending, for example, I'm not sure what I did. Um, I died. Probably killed too many people. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't actually know what the cutoff is or no. what. Uh, I just I looked up what the other ending was, and from what I can tell, they're relatively similar. Yes. Aside from <laughs> yeah. the aside from whether aside Artyom from lives death. or yeah, dies. Um, yes. So in the in the good ending, um, you in both endings you go to find. Um, you go to find a cure for uh, Anna, who has been stricken down by Chekhov's cough. Yes. Um, yeah, and um, once you find it, yeah, it's it's in a very highly radiated area. So you're out there, and her father's out there, and you're both looking in different places, and you have these um, kind of uh, not cures, but you have this radiation medication that can kind of give you a little bit of a boost. The um, green stuff. Yes, the green stuff. Uh, so Artem uses his and, you know, is coming back with the cure and you run into, uh, you run into Miller and uh, in the good ending, he gives you his dose mm. uh, because you're going to die without it. But then by the time you make it back, he dies, mm. you live and, and uh, Anna lives because you give her the, the cure. 
in the bad ending, I think it's just the opposite, isn't it? Like either he doesn't give you the cure, or he does, but he die, but you die anyway. I yeah, but he, I can't actually he remember lives and you die. The specifics, uh, but but you well, you both end yeah, up. Yeah, you both dead. end up dead on the train. Yeah, oh, he, do- he dies too. You both oh, yeah. end up okay, dead thought... on the train that essentially is gotcha. in the weird afterlife, and you talk about continuing essentially to find some sort of destiny, don't you? But clearly dead. Yeah, I'd actually forgotten about that sort of odd uh, hammer horror type of scene. Mm. But yes, we're, uh, there is We're that. in the good ending. It's actually tied to the people that you rescue. So if you rescue enough, so enough, if enough characters that you buddy up with around the yeah. environment, they're there to give you blood. So essentially you have a blood transfusion in That's the it. scene. That's and right. if there's enough characters there, I guess in Leah's case, it must be two, but I had all three. Um, you, I thought I had three. Well, I'm pretty sure at that point they all give you blood and you yeah. survive and Anna's the last one to give maybe you. It's, maybe it's dependent on both of them or maybe it's dependent mm. on I'm pretty sure when thing. I... Like it's dependent on I... that and it's dependent on killing people and it's dependent on... I, I, I don't well, I know. I did the I good and bad ending and actually the bad ending there was less people oh, within and the then scene. That was the only so it was like, oh, that's probably oh. why. And I got one shot of blood and that was it and then I kind of just died. Oh, so. right. Okay. No, I got more like than another... one. I wasn't as bad as you. <laughs> well, I think the second playthrough is just, you know, you don't care. <laughs> I've seen this, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah fair enough. Because you know, that was the first playthrough. I'm going and doing everything. You know, I'm collecting everything. I'm looking at everything. Yeah, I'm you know, yeah. stealthing my way through. Second playthrough, it's just, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, good, good for the game. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure a random assortment of people giving you a blood transfusion is not going to... Well, well, they they explained the that uh, they explained that because his blood type uh, it's what AB yeah. negative yeah it, it's the whichever one is the yeah. universal recipient so he can receive any kind of blood it's fine. All these other people yeah. that I, have I mean, been irradiated their whole lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> yeah, that that was more my angle. I, like, <laughs> fine, you're you're giving them a blood. Definitely, none of these people have any STDs he, or he can uh, accept them all. But yeah. the idea that it would like fit in the radiation. Right, and I guess the the absolute yeah. final scene is that you find your your kind of perfect uh, kind of house on top of a hill that's looking over the mm. you know the sun swept um environment without radiation and you're gonna grow up and yes, have much nicer yeah, you're gonna place. grow up and they're talking about having a family in a bad ending you have anna standing on the hill basically cursing you for dying and letting yeah. her be alone on her own um which is kind of like hey <laughs> i tried as always i well as i say as always but as is often the case i i actually i kind of like the sad ending more because <laughs> it feels more tonally fitting with a game that's about nuclear apocalypse uh and 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 yeah uh it's sad and and i don't know i mean it's still it's still pretty sad when you know you her her father true you know sacrifices himself to bring her husband back to her he is a bad man he killed his her wife or his wife (laughs) don't trust which i wasn't really that aware of or or if i was i'd forgotten from previous games I think the bad ending is a good bad <laughs> ending because usually when people say they don't like bad endings, it's because they're anticlimactic. Mm. Yeah, I I think the bad ending still like everything's tied up in a neat bow. Mm. Like it's a satisfying conclusion, right. yeah. even if people don't have a happy ending. Yeah, and the next game in the series, if they are doing one, I don't think they've announced I anything. I don't know that. what they're working on. Um, will as always come the off the canonical good ending, won't it? So. Mm. Yeah, because doesn't uh, doesn't Artyom die in the bad ending of two? 
and possibly in the bad ending of one. <laughs> Certainly in the second one. Yeah. I'm not sure. About I, the first I, one. Yeah. I think I might have gotten the bad ending in two, but I don't remember one. Yeah, I don't remember. So they released two bits of DLC. There's a season pass. As I say, I've seen these on sale. I think I picked it up actually on, on sale price. So uh, from my point of view, uh, definitely recommended both if you enjoyed the main game, not if you didn't. Um, but uh, the two kernels, I think, is uh, probably the slightly less fully formed it's of the two. It's a couple two, hours long, but, isn't it? I think from what I read. Yeah. But it takes up the story of Miller when he is uh, when they split up him and Artyom in the the later stages of the game he's around with he's with the boy Kirill that they run into in the in the dead city uh, and it also flashes back to Kirill's father's uh, time before he uh, dies basically so you see you see what happened to him and the fact that uh, they're Fates actually sort of, yeah, sort of slightly intertwine. Um, but yeah, I quite enjoyed it. And Sam's story, which is, um, yeah, it feels felt to me like a whole kind of mini game in, in, in itself. I'm not sure how long it was, but it, it felt like several yeah, hours. I, having looked at both, it was like six to eight hours. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a whole open world section like uh, like the main game, which the two kernels is, is more uh, down a linear path. Um, and yeah, it's a whole story of uh, Sam, the the American guy, wants to get home. He's decided that he really wants to see his dad. He doesn't mention his mum. I guess he knows that she's, she, or maybe she was dead before he even left for uh, Russia. I don't know, but he has this feeling that his father's still alive, and he wants to see him. He's he would be like seventy years old if he survived, and he's desperate to get back. So he uh, he heads for the coast and finds this guy who happens to have access to a nuclear submarine. And the nuclear sub uh, captain has uh, introduced. Oh no! You meet the you meet the nuclear sub captain first, uh, Ed, and then you meet the guy who's kind of in charge. He's another sort of uh, sub militia group cell. Uh, Tom, who's another American guy who's actually got control of the sub, but for some reason there's some suggestion that he's actually going to take the sub and use its remaining nuclear capability to actually launch some more missiles. For some reason. Um, which I didn't fully understand. Because America. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, there may have been a fairly good reason. But uh, but in the end, uh, so yes, you uh, you end up having to kind of do various uh, jobs for, for these new uh, allies. But ultimately, you need to get first these suits from the fire station that will allow you to then get hold of these uh, massive fuel rods for the nuclear sub which, as you can imagine, kind of ends up taking you through mutant and bandit territory. And uh, and it's not just the, as with the with Artyom's game, it's not just the main points on the map. There's quite a lot of uh, incidental emergent, semi-emergent stuff anyway that you can get along the way. And at the end, uh, there's a choice. It's a it's one of those kind of games that ends with a simple choice. As you watch the, the sub leaving dock after a big old firefight, you have the choice of either detonating it as your friend, the captain, Edward wants with him on board and Tom and everyone else uh, so that it so that Tom can't go and nuke wherever he wants to nuke or you can drop the detonator get on a boat and get on the sub and go to America as you desired uh, and I think it's, it was hard to actually tell which one was the good ending and which one was the bad ending because if you do 
choose to not blow up the sub, you do get to America and the the guy hasn't fired the nukes. And Sam just kind of says, uh, you know, what what does it matter? Some more scars on a dead body anyway, uh, which I kind of thought that was actually my rationale. But it's one of those where you can save just before the end and choose both endings and see the cutscenes play out. Maybe neither of them's a good ending, man. Yeah. Good point. They both sound good. Very good I, point. I, de- I will definitely be. Yeah, I, I continue. I um, this week, I'm going to continue and actually just polish off all the stuff I missed on this game before moving on to other yeah. stuff that's even more recent. But you know, I I am invested enough to want to go back and you know, actually kind of excited that there's there's two more chunks of DLC that I've yet to explore. Yeah, I own them. They're there, but so should yeah. should play it before I put this game probably in. You know, leave it yeah. to get dust. Same. Yeah, I like the core loop of this game enough that I, yeah, definitely want to check that stuff out. Sure. Badger Catcher has mixed feelings about the game overall. Badger Catcher says it was one that I'd been looking forward to playing for a while, but held off hoping for a next gen upgrade. When that was actually announced, I was psyched. A proper PS5 upgrade with ray tracing and dual sense features included. I bought the game on sale for around 16 US dollars, which is an absolute steal and waited patiently for the update. The previous games always had a great overall mood, a bit of mystery, a splash of horror and a cool post-apocalyptic story. This one starts off a bit weak and then picks up massively once you get to the first area, Sandbox. I loved walking around the desolate setting, scavenging parts and taking in some great environmental storytelling. Rowing your boat through a beautifully lit lake, seeing the giant catfish, and then docking inside a small camp of anti-tech religious zealots. Wonderful. It reminded me of playing Fallout 3 for the first time. The dual sense features were also a nice addition, feeling the increase of pressure in the trigger when pumping the pneumatic air rifle being the standout. Unfortunately, it just couldn't hold my attention. I tried so hard to like it, but each new area I visited just felt less and less interesting. Anyway, I made it up to the summer, tiger chapter, and fought a bear. After that, I met another character who threw a lot of words at my sack of hammers face, to which I did my signature silent walk away and decided to do the same to the game itself. There was so much attention placed into the world to immerse you, yet all the dialogue would rip me straight out of it, and I just couldn't bring myself to care anymore. Still, I'm glad I played it. I just wish Artyom had been given half as much personality as the rest of the cast. Magical Isopod from the forum says Metro Exodus is one of my favourite games of all time. While it's certainly a sequel to 2033 and Last Light, it's not trying to be the same game. It's a road trip story, a tale of downtrodden citizens of a filthy subway system escaping the confines of their tunnels and seeing the world outside the walls they know. It's a story not about only about Artyom and his companions, but a story about the ecological diversity of Russia and Kazakhstan. Much like Final Fantasy VII, The key juxtaposition here is the machinations of man versus nature. Humanity has destroyed itself. Will nature persist and persevere? Are humans part of nature? Where do we fit when our constructs are dilapidated? And the game as a whole explores a wide range of possibilities. In the Caspian Sea level, the indigenous Central Asian peoples reclaim their roots and stage a rebellion against their colonisers. In the Tiger, children left of the elements during a nuclear war have become savvy to the woods in adulthood and in an abandoned military base, humanity no longer endures. The locales in this game are used to elaborate upon the themes of human nature explored in the previous two games, but escaping the narrow setting, pun intended, allows for a greater diversity of stories and situations. And in every step, there's a clear passion from the artists for the lands of a continent-sized nation. 
The environments here are beautiful. Cities reclaimed by permafrost, space bases reclaimed by sand, retro cabins living in harmony with the trees. The whole game is just wondrous. It's truly a love letter to the land itself, with the inhabitants growing from it like flora and fauna. Viewing it solely as an action game misses the point, I think. While I certainly found the gameplay mechanics enjoyable, especially when going the stealth route, it's really the atmosphere that sells this game. If that's what you want out of a game, play this one. And please use the Russian audio. So it says magical isopod. We also have some three-word reviews in brief from Twitter. Follow us at Kana Rinse. So this first one from Alex79. Stalker, but less. Ben Blaster says post-apocalyptic beauty. Jerry Gordon says ghouls, guns, gamma. Luke Moore, off the rails. Clever. I like that one. So in conclusion for this, is it a trilogy? Well, it is at the moment, even if it doesn't stay one. Uh, and let's start with, uh, well, Leah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. I, I don't like being the negative one on games. It's, it's hard, not a comfortable yeah. position for there. me. I know. Yeah, uh, but but what I will say is I don't think that this is a bad game sure. and I, I I don't I don't want to suggest that people like I, I understand I think some of why people enjoy it so much. Um it it just didn't stick with me. I, I I did not like any of the individual components enough that it could overcome the things that I felt were lacking. Uh, it's fine. It's it, like I said before, it's, it's perfectly serviceable. It just doesn't feel spectacular in any given way. And there are so many games that do to me that I, I don't especially hold this one in, in high regard. So, um, I think that I may actually seek out the the books um, because I think that would probably fit a little bit more with what mm. I did like about the game. I like the setting. I, I do think that it is beautiful as long as you're not looking too closely at some of the character models' faces. The atmosphere is great. The um, the, the landscapes and just all of the, the setting stuff looks wonderful, but it just didn't hold together especially well for me. I didn't feel compelled to care that much about the characters or what really happened. The stakes just didn't really feel like they were there. It just felt like, yeah, we're going to get through this and then we're going to go to the next section and then we're going to the next section. Nope. She's coughing. That means <laughs> that we're going to, we're going to have to deal with that in about 10 hours. So I, I, I don't know. I, as I say, I do not, um, I do not feel especially comfortable being the one who has to naysay something, uh, but I it just didn't stick with me. And I, I'm very glad that it did for you guys. And I it has been interesting to hear some of the reasons why, even if I don't particularly agree with all of them. But um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I, I think that there were some good ideas here, but the execution just didn't get there for me. Get out, hater. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's cool. It's fine. I'm sure plenty of people who played it every single one of us has been on a podcast where we've been the one that's gone like, yeah, I don't for sure. Really. 
know what you're talking about. Some people will only be disappointed that even though we had a difference yeah. of opinion, we didn't exactly. argue. We didn't shout at each other and I fall mean, I out. could start screaming if you want. Like you that, could. We, we could do that. What would it achieve? <laughs> really? That's all right. Leah will just bully me in the Slack channel yeah. instead. So, Beat a Josh. Shut up. Yeah. So what, she, did you, what did you feel about? Breath of the Wild too much. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, God. I noticed uh, it actually. I wasn't I, on that show, so uh, I did notice some of the criticisms that. were were similar actually. <laughs> so it seems that yeah. maybe, there, maybe there are certain yeah, just certain. I game mean, it design. just might not be my genre. This game might just not be for me, and that's exactly. that's fine. There are it a lot of games fine. that are, and I I think yeah. you're supposed to threaten the developers with death and demand a refund. Then? I did, did, oh, I don't like okay. the new Spider-Man uh, games. Hey guys, to Twitter. How about that? That throw that in there. <laughs> Why? Exactly. Yeah. Wish. There's a conversation Wait, for a different day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Can't believe I didn't have you on those <laughs> <I know>. shows. <laughs> Outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, fight, Josh. Hello. Hello. Metro Hello. Exodus. Yeah. Um. I, this this game is a bunch of really really high peaks and really really low valleys for me. Um. I think the game is at its personal best for me. Um, when it's focused on um, the environment and the world and and less so when it's focused on the characters and, and the drama of the train. Um, I, just, I just couldn't get invested in that stuff. Um, visually, the game is astounding. I think the sound design is incredible. I think the studio is inches away. I mentioned earlier, I, I'm kind of waiting for the studio to make their you know, make their showpiece yeah. game where they really like, yes, they're kind of we Witcher are free, right? Of like yeah, where they get proper, skip- Yeah, the, their Witcher free mm-hmm. moment, yeah. Um, and I don't think this is it. It's still, it's still stepping in that direction. And I hope next time round they get a, even closer. Um, and or they're yeah, cyberpunk, and, <laughs> or it's cyberpunk next. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I think the core loop, the especially against the human enemies, is really compelling. Um, and um, I find like all the stuff that Leon mentioned about the ways in which the the game is designed to you know prevent you from having those breaks in immersion is just so well considered and and so well implemented. Um, but then I have to walk backwards because a, a bunch of human animals, which is the most Stupid name for anything ever created. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Uh, Unattainium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, c- c- just charging towards you. Yeah, it's it's. I do recommend it. I think the highs kind of outweigh any of the negatives with this, uh, and and they're really really high peak. So please do check it out, especially for the price that you can get it for these days. But it, it is a recommendation that comes with quite a few caveats. Mm, thanks, Josh. Fewer caveats for me because the elements about the game, which I do acknowledge, I think, as being weaker, are still ones that I had no major problem with. There's a few little yeah, roughnesses which could be smoothed off or improved with efforts being put in certain areas, such as the like, yeah, like the facial animations or the integration with the audio being more uh, authentic to the uh, the environment when i say that i mean the the spoken word stuff not the uh, the environmental audio which is one of the the highlights for me and yeah I, the the strongest memories i'll take away will be the yeah those just 
something I love about video games, particularly first person ones, the the sort of that feeling of being immersed in an extremely threatening world, but one that is also quite beautiful in many ways. In some ways, you know, it's a lot darker than, than my real world day to day experience, but it's also a lot more exciting. And uh, the change of, of the light and the, the, the sound around me and the the monsters coming at me. And even if they're not that interesting monsters and they don't act in interesting ways, it's still the whole the whole thing together exploring this environment trying to work out how to get from one place to another and yeah some of the things that they've done for a games with metro exodus to take a step away from the map mopping type model that we've seen a lot of games uh sort of go with in recent times and and i'm, I'm a, i can be a sucker for that stuff don't get me wrong uh it makes me appreciate that actually i would like to see more developers try to go a bit more organic with it start with that stuff yeah, I think I would thoroughly recommend this to anyone who ever enjoyed Far Cry 2 or Fallout 3 or possibly even Zombie U. Uh I had a I had an excellent time with it and I'm kind of it's I'm kind of sad it's all over because I could <laughs> kind of happily carry on playing in this game world. It's inspired me once again and I said this 8 years ago on that original 7 8 years ago on that original podcast that I'd still like the idea in theory of playing these games on the the proper hardcore settings. And I know the reality is that time and other games and possibly my own incompetence will see me bounce off it. But I have installed Metro, installed Metro 2033 Redux and I am going to at least see what it's like to, to start all over again in the, uh, in the hardest of hardcore modes and see if I, yeah, how long it takes me to get thoroughly annoyed with, uh, with, being killed instantly it may be uh, as regards to difficulty in this game yeah it may be that some people will get the most out of it from playing on the the you know, like the story mode setting others will need the the heightened threat of the the harder settings and the demands of that depending on your your game playing schedule and your menu uh, but i i think it is absolutely worth checking out um and yeah as as people have said it's uh it's it's available relatively affordably now i think quite a lot of the time probably going to end up being given away on the epic game store at some point as well it's the kind of thing they do so uh maybe a games with gold or a ps plus anyway yeah check it out i had a great time with it and let's conclude with tony who nominated the game for volume 10 i did and i'm glad it's a good nomination you know i, I, I think so i agree um sorry leah apologize to Leah. <laughs> no no and no, i you know i do I do fully understand where Leah was coming from on many of her points, but yeah, I mean, I, for, for, I'm I'm along with with you guys really, and I think Isopod kind of on on this his uh, uh, thing he sent in. It, yeah, he sums up a lot of the things I was thinking about the environment. But it's I had an odd relationship with this because I'm coming off the books and looking kind of almost like the translation of what the books would be to game. You know that's not what this is. It's it is very different. And I do urge anybody if they're into this series to actually check out the books, either paper or even the audio uh, versions. Are really really very well done, um, and it does tell a different story. And that's not the story here. And like mm. Josh said, unfortunately, I just I just found the narrative to be really lackluster and spoiled what otherwise was actually one of the games I've really have quite been smitten and fallen in love with. And and that's its environments. And it's easy to be blown away by graphics. It really is, and they're they're all over the place today. But it's very hard for for me for 
the graphics to or the visual style of a game to actually tell a story on its own. And when for me the the story is fairly lackluster in the background, to have the environments and not even set pieces because they a lot of them are just um, organic, kind of built from how you interact with the world, how you interact with bases and camps, and how you are going to move from where one scene to the next. How the actual game plays out for you, I think that is really well done. And actually, for me, is you know it's up there with some of the best in the genre of how it approaches that stuff. Um, so from a visual and gameplay point of view, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it, and you know I. I'm annoyed that I didn't get round to the DLC stuff um, for the show because it would have been, you know, interesting uh, to to talk a bit longer. But as all as always, we you know always run out of time regardless. But the fact is, you know, this show is done and dusted, and you know, over the next week I will be playing you know it's another six eight hours of content, and I will be going back and and enjoying that stuff because it it was a really good interesting game, and um, yeah, so happy I actually finally got around to playing it but it's not a short game you know for i think that's half the time when i look at games and they're going to be 20 25 hours you go hmm okay where can i but you know i want to make this game mm. into 40 hours and you know that's yeah. <laughs> that's a positive sign um yeah and fascinated to see where they take this series mm. again because like josh has said i really feel like 4a are very close to to getting it right um they missed aspects on this fine but can they get it again? I don't know. We'll find out. And maybe they just need to take a new property to make that work. Um, but I haven't heard anything. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, no. thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved it. And um, would recommend anyone checking it out if you're into these types of games. Excellent. Well, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh, Leah, Tony, Editor Jay, and our correspondents plus you for listening. Oh, and next time in issue 487 everything <laughs> <laughs>